Let's do it. Let's do it. Broadcasting from around the world, you're listening to The First 100, a podcast on how founders acquired their first 100 paying customers. Here's your host, Hadi Rodwan. Good to have you on the show, Lais and Paul. How are you doing today? Hey, Hadi. Well, Hadi. Thank you for having us. Of course, of course. This is an exciting topic for me because I'm a big basketball fan. I've been watching at least the NBA since 1994. So it's quite a while back in, uh, in my country where we used to sneak midnight to find one match uh, for these great players days back of Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley. So uh, I got very excited when I saw you guys bringing that sport with technology and your company is called Hoop, which essentially is a smart basketball hoop with the ability to connect with other basketball players and has content built in. And you've raised to date around 11 million from VCs such as Protagonist, Marvan, and Reform, to name a few. So I have two founders with me, which is rare on, on my podcast. So Paul, can you introduce yourself first and then life and then tell us a little bit about your founding aha moment. How did Hoop see the light? Yeah, so my name is Paul Anton, co-founder at Hoop. Leith and I, we grew up together in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We were always together. Our fathers actually knew each other. They went to school together. My father was from Greece, Leith's father was from Jordan, and they met at university in Milwaukee. And Leith and I, we started many businesses when we were younger, from t-shirts to CDs to a mobile app. And Leith has always been the most entrepreneurial kid I knew, always uh, hustling. And when I went away for school, we stayed in touch by playing basketball on Snapchat. I'd record a shot on my phone with one hand, shoot the ball with the other, and we'd play against each other from a thousand miles away. And we really wanted to keep this going. So fast forward to several years later, I created an app on augmented reality glasses that allowed us to play basketball remotely. Lath came and played my game and said, hey, that's cool, but what if we took your game and put a screen on a backboard? And my jaw dropped. I knew that was the right idea right then and there. So we stopped everything we were doing and we started building Hoop. Great. Lath, can you give us a background about yourself as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Lath, co-founder at Hoop. Also born and raised in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin with Paul. I'm originally Palestinian. Been back and forth between Jordan and Wisconsin most of my young life. Ended up going to college in Milwaukee and then moved to California for six years. I was at a couple different startups there, a luxury rideshare app and then an artificial intelligence recruitment platform. Um, that was uh, really forward thinking. After that, I ended up moving to Miami once we founded Hoop. And right now we're between Miami and California. The big aha moment for Hoop was really when I experienced Paul's augmented reality glasses game and we were just really inspired by Mirror, Tonal and all these companies doing great things. But we always had shared this passion for basketball and really wanted to simplify the remote play experience and the training experience. And when I played the game, immediately it clicked in my head to put this game on the backboard. And like Paul mentioned, that moment was a big aha moment for both of us. Immediately quit my job uh, the following day. Paul put everything else on hold. He was an attorney prior to this, and we both dove right in and started building up the following day. Amazing story. Tell us a little bit, how did you identify that this is something that maybe people need? How did you find out like who could be your target audience? I know everyone likes to play basketball. There's millions of 
people out there want to experience such a thing. Let me know how you, your thought process worked around this. Yeah, when we started, we did not want to start raising money. We didn't know if it was viable or not. So we actually bootstrapped the company with our own money, built a prototype, and we would go around asking people. I went door to door in Whitefish Bay and Shorewood in Milwaukee and asked people, would you buy this? And we got a lot of yeses immediately. Then we built a prototype before we raised a single dollar with our own money and demoed it for kids, middle school players, high school players at first, and they really liked it. Then we realized, okay, we might actually have something here. Then when we demoed for Trevor Booker, an NBA player, he really liked it. And we said, okay, if NBA players like it and kids like it, let's actually do something with this. So it wasn't like, oh, let's just build this and hope people come. We built this and wanted to make sure that people loved it before we started raising money and before we started building it. That's a great way to validate an idea. So building a software company is difficult. Building a hardware company is difficult. You're building both a hardware and a software company. So tell us early on, what was the most challenging part of, you know, getting version one up and running? So the hardest part definitely was the hardware and really figuring out how we're going to make this backboard withstand extreme weather conditions. So uh, we've been through probably, I'd say, eight to nine different iterations of the prototypes that we've had. We have a super advanced thermal architecture now that allows the hoop to withstand extreme heat and extreme cold. Uh, but that was the hardest part, um, was figuring out that piece of the hardware and then everything else sort of fell together. We were able to find what cameras work well for us, speakers, all that stuff kind of came easily. It was just really figuring out the weatherization and having this product be able to withstand for a number of years in customers' driveways. So essentially, what are the functional features of this board? What can I do with it? Lathan and I, we could probably say this together in unison, but gaming, training, and streaming. The three core features of the hoop. It's a million-dollar training facility right from your driveway. You can learn from some of the best NBA trainers on our platform. We have Jordan Lawley, Michael Lancaster, Trevor Booker, Thaddeus Young, Nate Wickstrom, Mariana Bautista. We have some really good trainers, and kids are going to be learning how to do really advanced moves all the way from fundamentals all the way to pro moves right from their driveways now. You can play against each other in different parts of the world, and you can stream different parts, your favorite game shows and highlights while you play. And we track all of your stats in the background. So we track your makes and misses, your swishes, trajectory, all these cool data and analytics on the basketball court, and we gamify them. This is amazing. So who do you think would be your initial customers? Because as I can tell from my research, the hoop is around $5,000. So it's not a cheap uh, accessory. So who do you think would be the initial target audience for you? To touch on your point on price, so a lot of the premium backboards, you know, the at-home fitness, the Gorillas, the Mega Slams, the big premium backboards, all start at about 3000 and then you can go up from there. And this is just like we call them a dumb hoop, no features. So I think for pricing, like we're right in line with, with these other competitors that are on the market. Our initial customers that we have NBA players, we have families, uh, we have a couple schools, a couple gyms that have ordered units. So it's really for everybody that loves basketball, all ages. How did you acquire your early customers? What was the early strategy that you adopted? Demos and events. Lath and I, we've driven across the country from East Coast to West Coast 11 times now. And we were doing events. Every event we got the opportunity to do, we said yes. We went to Manhattan with the hoop. We went to Charlotte. We went to Chicago, Milwaukee, Los Angeles, San Diego, Miami, all over the country. And we've demoed for thousands, probably over 10,000 people now have played on our hoop physically on just the few prototypes that we had at first. 
which was just grinding weekly to get this out there. And along the way, we got customers to sign up for our pre-orders on hoop.com. That's H-U-U-P-E.com. You can pre-order right now for just $100 and reserve your spot. And we're offering $1,000 off to our first thousand customers right there. So just a little bit more time left with this deal will be left, but that's how we've done it in our first couple of years. Very smart. In terms of you know your acquisition strategy going forward, this is something that's not scalable. I mean, both of you would not be able to continue going on the road if you want to scale. What has worked for you other than this strategy? We've had a lot of organic growth. So we got reposted by House of Highlights once that helped give us a big boost. A lot of other media outlets and just been really organic word of mouth. Like Paul mentioned, we haven't spent any money on marketing. We're still sort of figuring out where to you know, apply our marketing dollars. A lot of the early funds we have all went into engineering and team. But right now we're, we're starting to get a little bit creative, but really just having hoops in multiple locations. Like we have one in Miami, we have one in LA, we have one in the Midwest. And these are places where people can go and really check out the hoop and see what it's like. So between pulling up to events and having physical hoops, the product's an outdoor product. So in May, June, you'll start seeing these in people's driveways and then all the way through September and October. So people get really excited when they see it and they're instantly attracted to it. Early on, you know, you had version one. Usually version one always has some things that you're not very proud of. If someone is starting a hardware and software company, what are few mistakes that you've done that were avoidable, but you've learned them the hard way? This is true, but I'd say stay away from agencies. Do it in-house. Hire an in-house team. If you're building a hardware company, try to make it as small as possible that the users will accept. We started off with a really, really big screen and we've sort of shrinking that, but we've kept as lightweight as possible. At first, we didn't care about weights or anything. Just foolishly, we're just building it just to make it withstand the durability. But we've really had to hunker down on, on weights, shipping and packaging now. So do it in-house and try to make it as small and as lightweight as possible. Lace, any feedback from your side? We both agree very strongly on the hiring an in-house team. That was a mistake we made early on. We tried to outsource some of the hardware work. And ultimately, you know, unless you're doing it in-house, you're wasting your time. So those are some things that we've learned along the way. That's the advice I would give to any founder that's looking to start a hardware company. But really, in terms of features, like we wanted to offer, you know, 50 different things for the hoop right away. You have to be embarrassed by your first prototype a little bit. So it didn't look as beautiful. We had to really trim features away and see what really is important. What can we do correctly now and push out to customers? And then over the years, we can always add more software updates. We have over-the-air updates and we can update the games and the features of the hoop as well. So really, it's just about figuring out what fits for now and then moving on from there. Amazing. Thank you for sharing this. So we'll shift a little bit to your personal life. Maybe, Paul, can you share with us a principle that has served you very well in life and business? I'd say just doing the right thing. I think my father was a really great man. A lot of the blessings that he gave to other people have been reciprocated to me. A lot of his friends have helped me. I'm currently in one of his best friend's homes in San Diego. His best friend stayed with him for a couple of years when he was in Milwaukee. He had nowhere to be, so he stayed. He lived with him. Now that I'm here in San Diego and we're building a warehouse, we're saving on hotel costs by me staying with him. And it's just doing the right thing, making sure we have good karma and trying our best. You know, it's really hard in business to be perfect all the time, but we're trying to just do the right thing. I know when we raise this amount of money, a lot of like 
pressure and eyeballs are on us, but it's just being truthful. It's really, really difficult. And sometimes it's not easy to do the right thing all the time, but we try our best to. Lise, what's your biggest insecurities today as a leader? It would be failure. Failures is the biggest uh, thing that is in your mind. But um, kind of touching on your earlier point, like my father, when I was a kid, he always told me something and it always stuck with me growing up. And he mentioned this to me every time he would ask me to do something and I told him I couldn't do it. He would always tell me when there's a will, there's a way. So as long as you have the will, you'll find a way. And that's kind of been the mentality my whole life. And I really bring that to the company as well. So as long as there's a will to do something, you'll find a way to make it work. And Paul and I both do an excellent job of never giving up and always just persevering. Like the hard days are hard. The good days are great. But you're going to have more hard days than good days on this type of journey. That's true, especially in, in startups when the failure rate is high. And uh, that brings me to my next topic, which you're friends since childhood, as you mentioned, and you're also business partners. And sometimes as business partners, there's clashes. There's things you don't agree on. There's, you know, sometimes you can't make payroll. You cannot pay a vendor. How are you managing your relationship together outside the friendship? I think we've been really lucky. We've been getting this question a lot lately and late and I've been laughing because we don't really argue. I mean, we have debates about decisions and we always sort of end up on the right page. Like we might start off in two different sides of the argument and we'll both end up right at the end. I mean, we've been really close friends since the beginning, since 28 years ago. And now we're still really close friends and we haven't let it get in the way too much. It's We always sort of end up on the same page. Yeah, disagreements are natural. Ultimately, it's trust, right? You have to have trust. As long as you have trust, you know, there nothing really is an issue. Disagreements are normal. We both understand that. We talk through most decisions together and we come to agreements a lot. So it's, it's just really been a natural partnership and friendship. So really, it's not mutually exclusive. How would you advise, let's say, founders who are coming together on how to split, let's say, roles? Who's doing what? Who's going to be the CEO? Who's going to be the chief financial officer? Who's going to be the CTO? Because a lot of startups that I came across, sometimes they cannot do that. And they would say, hey, let's do a co-CEO role, which has an advantage and a disadvantages as well. So what advice do you have for this, given that you've built a great relationship together? Just do it how we do it. Have a free throw contest and decide. That's, that's smart. Really, um... <laughs> We didn't really worry about titles starting out. Um, there's enough work to go around for everybody, and we could hire five more people to help us carry this load off of our shoulders. But um, it's really where, where we see fit, and this is what we ultimately decided to move forward with, and it's been working out great. Perfect. One last question. What's next for Hoop? We're getting to market this year. Very soon you'll see Hoops in uh, some NBA players' driveways. We're not going to mention who. You'll see hoops in gyms, schools, all over the place. So this year is all about getting to market for us. We do have another product that we are launching, hopefully towards the end of this year as well. And um, just some fun games and competitions. So it's, it's definitely a big year for Hoop this year. Amazing. Thank you for sharing this. Where can people find you? How can we reach you? How can we of help, be of help to you? So you can find us on our website at hoop.com, H-U-U-P-E.com, and on social media at Hoop Official on all platforms. Amazing. Thank you for being part of the show. We wish you the best of luck. This is a great product, and I hope it would be in everyone's driveway, as you said. Thank you so much for having Thank us. Thank you, Adi. Appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for listening to The First 100. We hope it inspired you in your journey. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, and share it with a friend starting their entrepreneurship journey. Leave us a five-star review. Your support will help spread our podcast to more viewers.